Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome everybody to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. This is Nick. You can find me at HyperCleanNick on Instagram, or the best way to get in touch with us is to join the HyperClean Specialist Group on Facebook. That group is growing little by little. It is really fun to interact in that Facebook group. That's basically where I spend any time talking about HyperClean. I share some work that's going around on the shop, uh, different things that we're coming across. So that's a really great avenue to, uh, to follow what we're doing and to ask questions and get involved. I want to welcome everybody today to the Detailed Car Collection episode, which is what we basically call these Friday afternoon recordings that we release on Saturday morning. I want to share some results from Barrett Jackson, some of the biggest results that we saw. A 2014 458 Ferrari Spider went for 253K. That's becoming a really, really valuable car. The reason is that's the best that that engine platform has ever been. The right arrow, the right everything. Since then, 488, those types of cars, even though I love them, F8, those really haven't uh, gotten any better than the 458. So that, that that's going to continue to go up. So let's get to some of you DM me questions about why I'm saying the things I'm saying about muscle cars. Because Nick, Barrett Jackson, we had such big numbers. Let's share it. A 69 Camaro, 275K. A 67 Mustang, Eleanor Tribute. Two of them actually sold for pretty big numbers, 275K and 330K. The GT Ford market is, is now a seven-figure market. They're, they went well into the million. Uh, and then you had Carrera GT go for 1.9 million. You had McLaren P1 at 1.7 million. And a 918 Porsche Spider went for 1.8 million. So let's talk about those big numbers of the Camaro, Eleanor Tribute, those types of cars. A lot of people don't remember 0809 when that market just got decimated. It just, this is a market, the, the muscle car market is going to get hit harder than any other market moving forward. And the reason is pretty simple. I appreciate everybody reaching out, but let me walk you through. If you've ever been in a Camaro, and I know this one was a resto mod, it's not a $275,000 car. It doesn't feel like a $275,000 car, even if you put all the modern amenities in it. And I know people that have paid high six-figure restorations, seven-figure restorations on cars like the 69 Camaro. You get in it, you go, okay. It's cool. This is probably worth 75 to 125K. That's exactly what you think to yourself. And that is a full bolt up restoration with all the modern amenities that you can put in the car. They're not that, they're, they're just not that great to drive. They are really special if that's what you grew up with. And this is what I keep trying to get across to people, especially in, in you know, that are ask, asking me about their collections. If that car is special to you and you have the money, go buy it. Who cares? There's plenty of people that just buy stuff because they want to buy it. And they have the money to buy it. It's no big deal. But for those that are trying to, to, to predict the future markets, it's simple. The reason 
1930s, 40s, and 50s cars don't do that well is because those people have passed away, right? You have some special cars from that time period that do big numbers, but very few of them are worth anything. And the reason is, is those cars were special to someone else. They're not special to my dad or your dad, you know, for most young guys listening to this, that's not what's happening. So I want people to understand, I don't think it's because muscle cars are trash. They're not $300,000 experiences, but it really is, is because their age group is aging. They're getting into the late fifties or late sixties in that 10 year period. So within the next five to seven years, you're going to have a lot of these guys pass away, want to liquidate, whatever. They're not, they're not going to drive their muscle car when they're 83 years old. That's not how this works. Now, they may get an extra 10-year run that the 30s, 40s, and 50s cars didn't get because we're living a little bit longer and all that kind of thing. But this is what happens. This is the natural evolution. And that's why you see cars like the P1 going for big. I mean, it's a special car. That's why you see Carrera GT. That's a seven-figure car now. Plain and simple. That's a seven-figure car for the rest of its life. The reason is, for those that don't know, with the Carrera GT, what makes it special, it's pretty much the last car where you didn't have ABS and all that kind of extra BS uh, in the car, all the, the, the automatic shutoff, so to speak. Uh, it's pretty much a wide-open race car, and uh, that, that car is going to be seven figures forever. Even if it drops – pardon me – even if it drops by – you know, 30, 40, 50% in the next recession, it's, it's probably a seven figure car from this point out a 69 Camaro for 275 K that may sell for 90 K at the next recession. That's the difference. Carrera GT is a special car, a 69 Camaro that's been resto modded for 275. You, I wouldn't surprise me if it went for 60 K at the bottom of a recession. Shouldn't surprise any of you after this. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but that's what's happened in the muscle car market a few times before. So that's why I say things like that, because there, there's history of these cars taking huge hits during the downtime. Because again, a 69 Camaro, a Dodge Challenger, uh, a Charger, the, those older cars are not special experiences. So the one thing that I want everybody to think about is, is it really special? And, and look, I, I think it's great that we're at the top of the muscle car market here, but I wouldn't be caught dead buying a muscle car or advising anybody that didn't want to drive one around. Putting one in your collection, uh, you could be taking a huge haircut in the next recession. If it's no big deal to you and you just love the cars, then buy them all day long. That's the way I'll always come out on it. Uh, but for those looking for advice, I wouldn't buy them. Now I want to talk a little detailing. There's a word that we have said probably the most of anyone in the industry, and it's called preservation. Preservation to me is something that we don't say enough in our industry. And the reason that I'm so passionate about preser preserving cars, and I don't care if it's a 2020 Tundra or if it's a 2013 Bentley GT, which I just shared a restoration that we did, a paint uh, preservation and, and coding on that car uh, here at the shop. That's in the HyperClean, Facebook HyperClean Specialist Group. Just posted that today. The reason that I believe in preservation is it actually tells you something. So when I go on the internet, 
could be Instagram, could be Facebook, could be TikTok, could be a Facebook group where somebody sends me a post. It is so easy to spot people that have never worked on really expensive cars. And the reason that it's easy is because they compound and do two-step polish, uh, compound and polishing on everything they touch. They don't care. They're just going to cut it. They're going to hammer the paint down. I need to get it perfect. That's a huge sign that that person really has never worked on things that are going to be incredibly valuable. Now, somebody may say to me, hey, Nick, I've worked on a McLaren. Well, you probably haven't worked on a P1. You probably worked on a 570S, which, okay, yeah, they're $190,000, $200,000 off the lot. They're worth about 30 grand in about a month. It's not that valuable. Would I cut a, a, the hell out of a McLaren with a carbon fiber roof and cut it to the bone and then polish it to get it perfect? I wouldn't do that. Unless a car has been painted specifically to allow you to cut down the clear to a perfect finish. A lot of show cars are built that way. Massive amounts of mills of clear on top, allowing you to, to sand it to perfection. I don't really believe in that. And there's actually a, a something going around I want a lot of people to hear me say is that the easiest thing to do once you learn to cut paint is to cut paint, rotary wool, DA wool, whatever you want to use, cut it to the bone, polish out your marks, and leave a perfect finish. Easiest thing to do in detailing. To me, it takes the least amount of talent. A lot of people are going to disagree with what I just said. But I proved with a, a hardly used rotary and an old, old, old wool pad I shared on my stories a while ago where I cut down a Toyota Tundra hood because I knew it was going to head to repaint, cut it down and made it look perfect with the wool pad. I had to do light polishing and I had a perfect finish. But I risked everything. Now that was one that was already headed to the paint shop, whatever. There were some other things going on with that that truck. But I look at people and I say the same thing all the time. Why are you a detailer? And working on collections has taught me one thing: that if I had go in with the mind of preservation and protecting things that that should last a lifetime, I really come out with better results. I come out with happier clients. And so one of the things I want to put out there today is this. If you aren't in the business of preserving and protecting paint as a detailer, what are you in the business of doing? If, if your answer is, I want to make cars look as good as I can, but for how long? The car's only going to look good for the next 24 months. And here's another way to look at it. If you go back to about 1950, and, and I've worked on some cars from the, the 20s and 30s and 40s, but let's just use 1950 as a dividing line. I came across an old 1950 Ford truck that had been passed down from a grandfather to a father to now a son. All original paint. They've, they had never paint corrected it. They'd never done anything. All they did was every month religiously, since they bought it new in 1950, that grandfather, that father, and that son had put turtle wax on the car. So this was last year. At 71 years old, that paint was about as healthy as any paint that I had seen in 2021. 
Doesn't mean I agree. Could have used some other products. Let's not get into that. But 71 years in, this truck looks pristine. Telling you that the paint system is supposed to last a lifetime. It's not supposed to be repainted unless you're in an accident. So the same can be said about modern paints. Folks, you're not supposed to bring cars to the point of, well, they'll, they'll have to repaint it after 15 years. That's not what the system's designed for. Go all the way back to 1950. The majority of well-designed paint systems are supposed to last longer than the engine. Now, how do we get them to last longer? Well, we preserve the paint by keeping it protected. Now, honestly, most of us detailers say, hey, it's going to need a polish from time to time. If it gets a scratch, we need to compound it. But let me stop you and let's, let's think about this a little more logically. As we sit here in 2022, the one-step correction model and, and, and technology is at a place where you shouldn't be hacking away at very many paint jobs. And matter of fact, I would tell most people and most guys getting started that if you can't achieve somewhere between 75 and 95% finish on most paint systems with a one-step correction, then you have to check your skills and say, hey, I got to get better. We have the pad technology, the tool technology, and the abrasive technology to finish out and cut away very minimal paint to get a, an incredible result with a one-step correction model. Was that available to me 24 years ago when I got my start? It wasn't. But I still never cooked a whole bunch of paint systems. It is what it is. And so one of the things that I want people to think about when they listen to me is one of the reasons that I've gotten to the belief system that I have is I've been very lucky to work on some very valuable cars. And at the end of the day, I can spot the people that have actually worked on a lot of valuable stuff. There's a couple guys out of Los Angeles. It's easy to pick apart that these guys have worked on valuable cars because there's no ego about cutting the hell out of paint. Do what's right for the car that's in front of you. That's a pretty simple motto. And I have a lot of guys talk to me. Oh, I want to get into collection work. I want to get it. Great. You know how many collections I've driven up on and been backed into a corner because of a dealership, ran a polisher over something, uh, a previous detailer hacked away paint, uh, a, a body shop buzzed over the whole car when they were just fixing the bumper. And now you're put in a spot with this collection where you have to look at a, a, an owner and go, we got a real problem here doesn't have to be that way. Car paint is supposed to last longer than the engine. And the technology we have in protection now with ceramic technology, why in the world do I have so many repaints? I, I know a guy that runs one of the top body shops in this city, does mostly exotic cars. He's repainting 2017 McLarens all the time bad body shop work before him. Somebody buzzed it with a polisher, no protection on it. The paint system's screwed. And it's always easy. And, and, you know, for everybody that follows me, preserve and protect, man. It's not a hard model to have. It's a very, very logical model. There's a ton of money in it. You don't have to sit here 
and, and, and overthink it. And many of you go and you follow guys and you find, man, they cut paint so great. Look, man, there's nothing easier than putting wool on a rotary, buzz a whole car down, come back, DA it out, call it a day. It's not as hard as anybody makes it out to be. It is what it is. And so I want to, I hope all of us start to talk about preservation more. I see now some people are getting, catching on to our way of, of speaking. I'm glad that they are. Uh, and I, I saw it pop up. You guys sent me a couple things, but the mode, if you want to get into collection work, the mode, if you want to work on really valuable cars has got to be preserve and protect. Now, <laughs> we had a really fun episode that, that posted on Tuesday where we talked about the state of the ceramic coating market. And boy, oh boy, did it ruffle some feathers and get some cheers and 95% positive and 5% really been out of shape. And that's how it goes. Guys, if you are doing what you believe in, if you've done your homework and say, I've chosen to work with this ceramic company for this, these 10 reasons, and these are the results I'm getting from my clients, it should never bother you what another person says about your decision. If you're doing things and you've vetted everything and you've tried everything and you have a process that continues to put out elite level work to your standards, then what a guy says on a podcast shouldn't bother you. What somebody says on their Instagram page shouldn't bother you. What somebody says in a Facebook group shouldn't bother you. We're at a place now where I really feel for a lot of young guys because they think this is our industry. Most of the guys making money in this industry, myself included, Look, man, since I've been on this podcast the last two years, a lot of people have made a lot of opinions about me, and 99.9% .9 of them don't know me. They're going to have their opinion. They can think what they want to think. It's their right. Say what you want to say on your platform. But some of you got really upset with what, <clears throat> pardon me, what was said on this platform about setting cars on fire and using boat coatings on cars and all of the you know lifetime coatings and hey man if you've if you've done your homework and you're doing all the right things and you're convinced of it i don't know why it bent you out of shape i don't care what anybody thinks about how i do business my customers who are now with me 10 12 years new customers coming on all the time i don't i don't have any reason to be upset with somebody disagreeing with my opinion if you look at HyperClean Ceramic Line, there's no more common sense, user-friendly, over-delivering set of coatings in our industry, period, end of story. I could double the years on our one, two, and three year and feel very comfortable about it, about it. That's a pretty bold statement, Nick. Yeah, it is. It is a bold statement. <clears throat> but what it isn't, is me worried if you don't agree with me, right? Guys, some of you are making decisions for your business and you're making all the right decisions for all the right reasons. You don't need me or Marty 
or the guy over here on his Instagram page to agree with you. And matter of fact, it doesn't give you a leg up if we do. It makes it harder for you in the marketplace. So I heard from a lot of people, a lot of support, because a lot of people understand what we do here is, is we're pretty blunt, we're pretty straightforward, we're pretty easy to understand. But there are some of you that are in a really, 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 really big downs, downward spiral when it comes to internet content. It bothers you. And I had people reach out, had conversations with different people, a lot of respectful conversations, mostly all respectful, had people send me questions, had people want me to elaborate. And that's what I'm doing here. So I want everybody to do this little thought experiment with me and, and, and hopefully let's finish this and you listen to me on the weekend or Monday morning. This is something that can help you. If you're going to listen to our podcast or anybody's podcast, what you do is you take out your cell phone. Usually you put in your password, get into your cell phone. You swipe a couple times. You open up the app you use to listen to podcasts. Then you either search or you're subscribed to our podcast and you press it. Then you go in and you find the episode and you push play. Then it starts in your ears. And that episode in particular was about 47 minutes long. So if you completely hated the message and you thought we were coming after you or how dare you say it, think about all the steps you had to take to listen to the episode. Not a judgment on my part. I'm just saying, have you thought about it? I see guys go into Facebook groups and argue all day long. Why are you in the group? Is it positive for you? Are you getting something out of it? Or are you just trying to be right? Guys, I have an opinion. You have an opinion. I've never gone on anybody's page and railed against their opinion. I've never DM'd somebody and said, let's have a conversation. I disagree with your opinion. It happens to me. I've never done it. I would, I would ask somebody to come on their platform before I did that. I'd want to have the conversation publicly on a personal note. I appreciate all the conversations I have, but some of it just doesn't make sense to me. If I'm convinced I've done my homework and I'm doing everything the right way, I don't have to worry what anybody on the outside says because my customers and my bank account, my business growth, all that go, goes against What's somebody saying that I disagree with? Hey, they say you can't use this coding system and make money. Hey, man, I made a million bucks last year. So if somebody says I can't use the coding, but I used it and I made a million dollars, I proved them wrong. I don't have to get on Facebook or Instagram or, or, or text somebody and say, you're so wrong. I proved it. And I just keep moving on with my life. So I want everybody to understand Tuesday's episode was just guys giving their opinions on something that I've been asked a hundred thousand times. You know how many times I've been DM'd to talk about lifetime coatings, to talk about what's going on with a boat coating, to talk about what's going on with a car being set on fire, to talk about this, to talk about that. At some point, we're in the content business and we need to talk about those things because it interests you. And if you don't agree with my opinion, it's all good, man. 
And I just want our industry to get to a place where they understand people are allowed to give their opinions. I didn't call anybody out by name. If I want to call somebody out by name, I would do it. We've never done that on this podcast. Never happened. I got no problem calling someone out if that's what I think the right thing to do is. I don't think that's what our platform is. Our platform is about getting better. Our industry needs to get better, be better, work towards a better goal. And we think we have the way here at HyperClean, just like another company thinks they have the way. And another detailer thinks he knows better than me. It's all good. It is all good. But sometimes, guys, the move is just don't go to the page. Don't go to that Facebook group. Nobody's forcing you to go there. The constant complaining and the constant disagreement and the constant whining that somebody said this or said that. What does it get you? What does it get you in the end? That's the question that all of us have to ask. And I had a great bunch of conversations this past few days. And I want to thank everybody that reached out, especially the guys I had phone conversations with. And they, they said their piece and, hey, let's talk about it. But you know what most of those conversations devolve into? We talk like five seconds about the coding conversation. And the rest of it is, hey, what are you doing? How is this going? Hey, how do you see this? How do you? it turns into an overall business discussion. And I'll always appreciate that. I'll always appreciate people handling things in a professional manner. But if you're on Facebook and you're yelling into the abyss, man, let me tell you, just turn it off. All you're doing is hurting yourself. You're not hurting anybody else. Guys, if you disagree with me, it doesn't hurt me at all. You're entitled to your opinion. But I would implore a lot of people, to, to and myself included, is everything that you're doing on the internet great for you, your business and your family and what you're trying to accomplish. Cause I think there's a lot of people chasing everyone that disagrees with them instead of just building their thing. And that's a dead end. So I want to end it there today, guys. I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. We'll come back next week with another episode of the detailed car collection. I can't wait. Thanks everybody for listening. Talk to you soon.